4. If you open your Bibles, turn to the book of, Ma- book of Luke, chapter 10. I want to continue and sort of talk about Mary and Martha tonight. The outline we've been using has been this one right here about a lantern. And the title, With Lighting the Way to the Next Generation, Psalms 119-105, talks about the lamp being a light to our feet and so forth. And this lantern I came across years ago depicts the Christian life. And you may have one in your Bible, that's fine. If you don't, you sort of follow along. And I've talked about uh, various aspects of that lantern, uh, talking about uh, the light is where the the wick is at. It's on fire down here. You can see it burning in the middle. And Scripture is Romans 12, 11, that we are to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So there to be some fire in our life. Sometimes the fire flickers. Sometimes it just about goes out in the Christian life. And I've seen folks where the fire's gone almost completely out and they're miserable because it's not shining brightly. And then we talked about the word anointed. I'm going to go back to that tonight on the left-hand side of the little diagram. And uh, Psalms 92 verse 10 says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. And we need fresh oil symbolizing the Holy Spirit of God. Scripture on the other side, 1 Samuel 10, 1, is when Samuel anointed Saul uh, to be the king of Israel. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and knew him and said, Is it because thou hast anointed him to be the king of Israel? How important it was for him to be anointed by God. And they used that oil to pour on their heads. Sometimes it ran down on their beard, all the way down their garments. It was a very precious time being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And all of us need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. There is a time in our life when He comes to live on the inside, but He needs to live on the outside as well, to generate life on the inside to help us on the outside. I've got the message entitled Fresh Oil. So that's what I've been alluding to for the last few weeks. So I want to try to complete that tonight, the Lord willing. So let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. It's about Mary and Martha and what it means to run on empty. Chapter 10 of the book of St. Luke, verse 38 down through verse 42. If you're there, would you say amen? Now it came to pass. It always does. It came to pass. Life passes on. Victories are won and defeats are overcome. But now it come to pass as they went, even his disciples, he entered into a certain village. That village was Bethany. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. That meant she gave an invitation for him to stop and eat. He was acquainted with the house on several occasions. He stopped ate with Mary and Martha and their brother. What was her brother's name? Lazarus. Remember him? And uh, he was uh, part of that family. And there may have been some other biblical characters who were also involved in that family, uh, like who who was the father. And maybe the father is mentioned somewhere in the context. He doesn't say father, but he very well could have been, history says. But a woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary. Lots of folks are named Mary in the world, especially among the Spanish people. Mary, which is also set at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 
And Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Be it her, therefore, that she come and help me, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful about and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, bless we pray our time together tonight. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for those who are able to make it. Pray for all those who are still out sick. We pray, Father, you'll bless the, the word of God tonight as it goes forth. May we apply it to our lives. May we leave better because we came. And we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, it's 724. And uh, no, it's not neither. It's 732. No, it's 733. It's 7.32 on the clock on the wall, and we'll be through here in just a few minutes. I was reading somewhere this week, somebody's talking about Mary and Martha, said, which one would you rather be, Mary or Martha? And the guy said it this way, he says, well, I'd like to be Martha at first so we could eat, then I'd like to be Mary after we ate and sat down with Jesus. But he had his priorities on eating first, and then fellowship with the Lord second. So I picked Martha, because Martha was doing the cooking and the okra and the corn and the potatoes was cooking and fried chicken was on the grill and the aroma coming through the house. Uh, it may cause all of us to be tempted. To, what's her problem? Is, is, she, is she rebuked by the Lord Jesus when he said, Martha, Martha? Tenderly and carefully, the Lord Jesus chooses his words. And he says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. If you chase the word careful through the Bible... You'll find the book of Philippians says, Be not careful for anything, but in all things give thanks unto God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. If you read the context of chapter 4, we may go there tonight. Don't worry about anything. Wow. That's a good sermon. That's a good message. It's a good reminder. But the problem is we worry about things. Why do we worry about things when the Bible tells us not to worry about things? Now, I plead guilty at times. I worry. How many of you are worried? Raise your hand real high. How many, how many never worries? Just raise your hand. We want to talk to you tonight. I listened to a song this week. Uh, you get to heaven, I won't have to worry anymore. But we ought to have worry less as we trust God more. The more we trust God, the less we'll worry. The less we trust God, the more we worry. We fret about things. And so Martha... Uh, she let the good become the enemy of the best. I mean, the best was sitting at the feet of Jesus in the context of the illustration. It was not that it was wrong to cook. They probably had been doing it together already in preparation. And Martha went on cooking. And Mary decided to just sit at the feet of Jesus and learn some things for a while. It wasn't that it was so sinful in the context. I mean, it looked like it just uh, something just happened and but Martha was sort of upset about the whole situation. She was distracted and she was distressed. And that happens sometimes when you're running on empty. Mar Mary was having a wonderful time. As a matter of fact, when you read the story of Mary in the Bible, how many times she was found sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I guarantee you, from the end of the story, even though it's not written here, 
I guarantee you that Mary got up and helped Martha. I believe she helped finish the course after Martha was gently rebuked by the Lord Jesus to teach a lesson. And I believe there was great harmony that came from that illustration. But she was running on empty. And so that enemy of the best sometimes is a good thing. Good things can be a problem. The best thing is what we're striving for. Give the best to the master. I talked about the cares of life that distracts us uh, last week and in the Gospels, you find it three times where you're choked out by the cares of life. Cares of life are just a day-by-day routine, making a living, raising your family, doing all the chores you have to do in life. Sometimes it can be insurmountable. And sometimes the pressure is astronomical to where you wonder if you're going to be able to make it another day. And yet we run on empty. We keep running and running and running and doing and doing and doing and fretting and fretting and fretting. And if you read Psalm 37, he says, fret not, three times. Fret not thyself. Fret not. And here I'm over here fretting, and he tells me not to fret. It's a wonder the Lord wouldn't take a ball bat to some of us sometimes, just sort of beat us real good, or at least a big paddle, and just paddle us. He says, fret not, and we go ahead and fret. Does he still love you? No, he don't love you at all. He just, he don't like you. Yes, He loves you. And because He loves you, He puts up with a lot of things in our life that ought not to be. Fret not ought to be over here. We should not be fretting. But the Lord knows we fret from time to time. He still loves us, but all of us need the message. And as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, it makes a tremendous difference. And so the covetousness of riches sometimes can deceive us and cause us to be burnt out. The love of money is the root of all evil. And sometimes we've got to be reminded of that truth. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And some folks will spend their life trying to make a living and forget life. They forget to sit the feet of Jesus, don't have time to do that. But I do have time to go out and make a living and provide for my family. That's the good, but the best is spending time with the Lord Jesus. And if you don't spend time with the Lord Jesus, after a while, you'll run out of fuel. And when you run on empty and you run out of gas, it could be a defeated attitude in your life to where you're just throwing the towel. We need a renewed sense of I will be anointed with fresh oil. I need that statement tonight. I will be anointed with fresh oil. David, King David was anointed three times to be the king of Israel. He needed fresh oil. He killed a giant, he killed a lion, killed a bear, he killed a giant. I need fresh oil. I come to you in the name of the Lord, David said when he fought Goliath, because he was anointed with the power of God. It was supernatural power that was involved in the whole story of David's great exploits and the things he did that were just unusual. How many bears you killed lately? How many lions have you got by the beard? And uh, this is the Bible says in one context about fighting the lion, got to hold the beard and. The guy couldn't think of the word beard, he said, and he got a hold of his he got a hold of his mustache and whooped him. But however you whip the lion, that's a pretty good feat. How you kill a bear, that's a pretty good feat. And when he went up against Goliath, he knew he had to have the power of God. He took five little stones. There's only one giant out there looked like. But the Bible records there was more giants. David no doubt had to fight. But he fought Goliath. And what was really astronaut great about David's story, 
Hey, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And Goliath mocked God and made fun of David. He sent a little kid out here to do a man's job. You know, I'll feed him to the birds. And David just kept right on walking. And while he was walking, he was praying. And while he was praying, he put his stone in the pocket of his slingshot. And when he let her go, that stone was guided by divine power, by the omnipotent, all-powerful God. And that stone went straight to the very weakest spot on Goliath's armor. And that was right here in his forehead, which was open. It hit him, knocked him out cold. Sometimes we think that David got, he killed the giant with the stone. Well, he used the stone to knock him down. Then he took the sword of Goliath and cut off his head. That's a pretty powerful young guy, you reckon? Can you imagine just being a young guy going into battle, armies on both sides of the valleys, fighting the Philistines. One was the enemy and about trying to destroy Israel. King Saul didn't know what to do. Here come a little young guy who was full of God at that time in his life. Yes, he wasn't perfect, but he was anointed of God to be used of the Lord in a mighty way. And so it was that David had great success because of the fact he just had God's power in his life. And the reason why I said the Word of God, you cannot separate the power of God and the anointing of God from the Word of God. Amen. It don't happen. Somebody says, how can you be a good Christian? There it is. Well, how can I overcome the devil? There it is. How can I have victory in my life? There it is. And the reason faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if I don't have the Bible, I'm running on empty. How many days do people go and run on empty? Sometimes they don't pray or read their Bible. If they do, they grab a verse here, grab a verse there. We're all guilty at times. But running on empty will eventually cause burnout. And when you burn out, you fizzle out. When you fizzle out, you're almost useless with the cause of Christ. God still loves you and God can revive you. But you've got to have that lantern to be shining because that's the purpose for our life. Let your light so shine before that they may see your good and glorify the Father which is in heaven. He also said we're to be the salt of the earth, the preserver, a savior, if you please, in his own right, to try to help folks along life's journey. So she was distracted from the very purpose of what she was made for was to glorify God, not just to fix a meal, but I'm not, I'm not hard on Martha at all because I think most of us have been guilty at times of rushing here and there to get something done and we never take time to pray. At least we ought to take time to pray and say, Lord, I'm sure to need your help. It's another day. Somebody said when you fail to pray each day, you are trying to be what Adam was in the Garden of Eden. What was Adam in the Garden of Eden? He was independent of God. As long as he was dependent upon God, he had it made. Perfect environment, perfect life. But when he tried to be independent of God, he didn't ask God. His wife gave him the fruit to eat, and Adam gave in to his wife. It wasn't his wife's fault. It was Adam's fault. If Adam had been what he ought to have been, he would have rebuked his wife and said, we can't do that. That violates the law of God. Because God told Adam not to eat of that tree of knowledge good and knowledge and evil. You're not to eat of it. And he disobeyed God because he listened to his wife more than did to God. 
not saying the wife's always wrong, but in this case, if it weren't for Eve, we'd be still in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, happy day. Man blew it, didn't he? Sorry, Adam. But we have the same sense as Adam had to make the choices. Once we found ourselves depraved, the spiritual bloodstream is contaminated, we'll choose to do wrong more than we'll right if we're not careful. And especially you'll sin more when you're running on less fuel. When you're running empty, you'll find yourself giving in to temptation more than you would otherwise. She was disturbed. Why are you troubled? Why are you so careful, Martha? Verse 41. Careful and troubled. Why are you so covered? Thou art careful and troubled about many things. It wasn't just the cooking. She troubled about many things. She'd been running low on oil, spiritually speaking. Many things begin to bother her. It gives an illustration of humanity in both sets of how we could be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled by carnality. It's disturbed by many things. What disturbs you? I've told this several times about the illustration of the man who spoke for us several years ago. His name is Bobby. A multi-millionaire asked him to come and speak here at the church. Nancy and I were down in Goldsboro and I preached down there where he went to church. And he took me to his place of business. He had several businesses, but he run pawn shops. And he told Nancy, he said, pick out anything you want, Nancy. Uh, you can have it. Whatever you want. It's hard to know what to pick out. Uh, big guns and et cetera. And you feel like he was imposing on a guy to say, well, just give me one of each. But you didn't want to overdo your friendship. But he said, just have whatever you want. Just look around, see something, you can have it. Yeah, I said, I said, Bobby, that's an unusual way to run a business. It's not my business. He says, God's business. And we walked in the front back door. He said, see that ceiling right there? That big hole in the ceiling? I said, yes, sir. He said, I got robbed here a while back. He said, they come down through the ceiling and broke into my pawn shop, and they robbed me. And I said, how's it going? He says, well, I just told God about it. It's not my business. It's God's business. He'll help me through it. He didn't get fretful. He wasn't fretful, wasn't upset. I mean, I'm not sure how much value was in the pawn shop, but there was a lot of money, a lot of golden stuff in there. And he said, it's God's business. He lived his life that way, and he gave tremendously to the church he belonged to, a great supporter financially. But he says, it's not my business. If I could get a hold of that, it would be a tremendous thought of my own life. It's not my business. It's God's business. Be up and about the Father's business. It's what they accused Jesus of when he was 12 years old. He confessed to that. Why have you troubled your parents? Especially your stepdaddy now and your mama Mary. Here you are. They was left behind. They missed him. They couldn't find him. And when they found him, he was in the temple teaching the confounding the rulers of his day. And they rebuked him. But he says, I've got to be up and about my father's business. So that become the best the good was being with his family, and maybe it looks like he should have done it another way, but he got so enthralled and caught up in teaching in the temple which belonged to him. His father had ordained that be built. God did, in essence. Jesus himself did. And the temple was a very precious place 
in the mindset of Jesus Christ early years at age 12. And so he said, I must be up and about my father's business. What's my father's business? Glorifying him. And you glorify him through everything that you do, but it has to be built on priorities. So the priorities come, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The problem is we go past that first part and try to seek the things of this life to satisfy us. It will not. It never will. As you seek the face of God, you'll find you. Then he said, give him the first fruits of your labor. Give your, give your 10% right up front. You'd be amazed what that would do for most Christians if they ever get a hold of it. And you find yourself doing what God says. You say, well, preacher, I can't afford to. I just simply say you can't afford not to. Amen. You'll find that true in life. At least I found it true. And I'm 77 from the time I was six years old, been tithing. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm not here to preach a sermon on tithing tonight. But I do think it helps Christians to put their priorities in the right place. What if you started with? My mama didn't. My mama lived off of $450 a month up until she died. That's all she drew. That's all she had. She had a house to live in until she couldn't live in the house no longer. Never had a bill go to delinquent. She'd always send us $10 on her birthday. Every year, all the kids, she'd always send $10 to us. We'd get it back to her somewhere along the way. She, unbeknownst to her. And if she had a bill, we'd have paid the bill because the responsibility comes back to your kids. Take care of your mama and daddy. They take care of you. The big comes down when you've got to take care of them, at least physically. Maybe some things you've got to do. Well, you honor your father and mother. You obey them, and then you honor them. Tremendous thought uh, in honoring your mom and dad the best you can. God, I think there's a special reward for folks who take care of their mom and dad the best they can and bend over backwards to make it comfortable for them. And it, it's probably a little tough on some of us. It's tough, difficult sometimes to clean up a person who's messed all over themselves, you know, trying to do that. But they did you when you was a baby. Does it make much difference now? Sort of changes it around. Well, I'm not going to do that, or I can't do that. You ought to be willing to do whatever you got to do for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God, and that's trying to help folk in life. But she was disturbed, and he said, she said to Martha, to Mary, you don't care. Even ask the Lord. Lord, don't you care? <laughs> now, you can see she's running on empty. It's one thing to rebuke Mary, for not helping her. But she goes over to the Lord and says, Lord, don't you care? You know what she was accusing him of? Of not having compassion. I've used this song in funerals for years, and uh, it's a beautiful song. It's been sung here as a song, I'm sure, a hymn. Does Jesus care when my heart is pain? Too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress, and the way grows weary and long. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into deep night shades, does He care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed some temptation strong? When for my deep grief there is no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I said goodbye? To the dearest on earth to me, and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Does he, does he care? Does he see? 
Lord, don't you care? And Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and bird troubled about many things. Verse 40, but Martha was comforted about much serving. All she did, she had her priorities wrong in her home at that particular time. She could put the stove on, on just let it cool for a while, or maybe not put the biscuits in yet. Just wait till the gets ready for the biscuits, and it might have taken a little bit, 15, 20 minutes just to sit there and listen to Jesus for a while before she put the biscuits on. Lord doesn't rebuke her or condemn her. I think he just simply encouraged her. You know, the Bible says so often we we think that the Lord condemns us all the time. There is no Tim condemnation to that in Christ Jesus. The Bible says he come not to condemn us, but to save us. Amen. And when he saves us, he's not any condemning, but he didn't condemn us. When you do wrong, he doesn't go around and condemn you to purgatory. He doesn't condemn you to a defeated life. He comes with encouraging words to try to help you. The gospel and the words in the New Testament are faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest of these is charity. And it's called love, agape love. And the Lord Jesus has all that. Martha, Martha, you're running on empty. An empty train car makes the most noise. We're either going to be filled with the Holy Spirit or unholy self. And I talked about that last time. Let me take five minutes and I'll complete the message. Number two. In my outline, number one is what's Martha's problem? She's running on empty. I need fresh oil. What are the signs of Martha's problem? She needed fresh oil. What's the signs of that? Well, resentment. If you're resentful to people, you'll find yourself running empty. The Lord says, love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. And say all manner against you falsely. If I were God... I left that out of the Bible. But God put it in the Bible because He don't want us to be resentful. Father, forgive them. He says, forgive your enemies. Love your enemies. That's not easy. That's, that's, that's hard preaching because it's difficult to do that. Greater is He that's in you than He's in the world. Why is that true? Because if I've got to live a supernatural life or a super spiritual life, I need help. And I haven't always arrived at that. It's taken maturity and still growing in the grace of God. You're easily irritated. We talked about that last night. About the Bible sometimes irritates us. You get irritated. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but what gets me sometimes, just little things, just irritate me. Bug the daylights out of me. I had two things that tried my faith today. One was a, uh, I forgot what the second one was. It was two of them. Because I, one was a train that never seemed to end. I sat there and I sat there and I sat there in Canapolis. The train come, the train come, train cars come. I needed to be somewhere at a particular time and the train cars just kept coming. I sat there and I said, well, Lord, I can turn left on red and go up Ridge Street or Main Street, or I can go south on Main Street and get down to the bridge and take a left and come over here. 
I sat there, after you sat so long, you said, I'm going to outdo the train. But after a while, I just turned left. I said, Lord, forgive me, and I turned left. Now, it wasn't a big thing, but it was irritating me. It was testing my faith because I was in a hurry, and the Lord wasn't in the biggest hurry as I was in. He, he could have opened up the whole Red Sea, and I could drove through. But he didn't choose to do that, and he doesn't usually do it in the unusual way. He said, you just need a little more patience. Just then when I, I guess I broke the law, but there was a policeman right in front of me, so he didn't come and get me, so I guess it was all right to turn left on red. When you're from West Virginia, you can turn to turn red on turn on red light, left. Easily irritated. There was another thing today, same thing. Well, anyhow, it had come to me after a while. It didn't irritate me too bad, but it was a little thing just irritated me. Anything irritates you? Anything get under your nerves? You get on my nerves. It causes you to over-medicate when you get run on empty. You want something to feel good, so you take some extra pills. You can overeat, trying to make up for the way you feel. Food can make you feel good. Amen? Food can make you feel good. I mean, when you're down, sometimes the tendency when you're discouraged to eat more than you normally do. That's just where we are. It just sort of satisfies the flesh and we forget the spirit. If we're not careful, we'll start running on empty. It makes things complicated. Boy, I've wrestled through that with my treatments I've had. Sometimes I may make it more complicated than what it is. But life is not filled with just complications all the time. You escape reality through movies, through magazines, and through books you read. And if there's one book we ought to read when we're going through difficult hours is the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. We overspend trying to make yourself feel good. What I'm going to do is go buy me a new suit. There's nothing wrong with buying a new suit. But if you're just buying a new suit just to feel good, it's going to be an expensive adventure. But if you've got to get one the Lord supplies your needs, then to make time to buy a suit and God gives you common sense. I've found that some of the best bargains I've found in recent days has been at Goodwill stores. Yep, this is a tile, right? What I found the other day, I found three Donald Trump ties. Those they're thirty dollars a piece when you buy them. Trump tire. I found them at the Goodwill. So if you see me wearing these ties on the back, it's got a little bar that says Trump. So I'm gonna sound the trumpet. I'm not here politicking. I'm just saying they're nice ties. I got them for three ninety nine a piece. I think that's a bargain, and I'm praising the Lord for that. Uh, if he just, I call him tomorrow. I'll vote for him. Maybe he'll send me some more time. I'm on. Somebody says, "Who are you going to vote for?" We're right for the right man when it comes down to it. To it, Amen. if he's the best we got, that's who we we'll vote for. I just wish I could help him a little bit on his language. Amen. I help him sometime on his attitude. But whoever, God's got a purpose for whoever is going to be president of the United States of America. Well, 
sometimes be critical, more critical than normal. I hate to criticize. It's, it's, my nature, leaders' nature is to criticize. They're critical. There's things they see that they want done, and they can't always get it done. But if you're not careful, you'd be critical to everyone, that everybody else, you know who the problem is? Everybody else is the problem. Years ago, somebody came to me and, and talked about for a long time about everybody that bothered them. Every time something go wrong, it was always somebody else. And I finally concluded. I said, you know what the problem is? It's you. You're critical of everybody. But is it, what if anybody was critical, critical of you? How would you react? If they said you're the problem, how would you react to it? It's easy sometimes to feel like you're always right. And sometimes you feel like justified. But you get complicated. Your life gets complicated. It gets to be a mess. It gets to be out of sync. And always asking yourself the question, Lord, what should I do? How should I react? What's the best way to solve this problem? And sometimes I find myself wanting to depend on my ability and my ingenuity and my experience. What I need is God's power upon my life. So do you. Let's stand together, please. Mary and Martha, God bless you for the illustration. We get to heaven, we'll see him again. Thank God for Martha as much as Mary. Thank God for Mary as much as Martha. But may we learn not to run on empty. I'll be anointed with fresh oil. Father, I know perhaps it was scattered tonight. I trust I said something that you want me to say. I'll leave that with you. Lord, how you speak to my own heart about things in my life. And sometimes it's just sharing what you taught me a long life journey. I'm still learning. I wish I were a better student in class. I wish I could learn a little quicker the lessons of life. But Lord, you've been patient with me for these many years. You're still working on me. You're still working on our people. Help them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Lord, bless the invitation if anyone needs to come. By all means, the altar's open. Pray for each other. Pray for the services coming up. Pray for God's will to be accomplished in every life. In Jesus' name we pray.